Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, March 14th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Missouri enters the NCAA tournament as a number seven seed, its best position since 2012. The Tigers are coming off a competitive SEC tourney semifinal loss to top-ranked Alabama after beating Tennessee in the quarterfinal. So why is Mizzou a betting underdog to a number 10 seed, Utah State, in the Thursday opener? Well, the Aggies are an excellent team. They won 28 games this year, but you better believe Mizzou coach Dennis Gates and his veteran team will use any slight in their favor. This is a Tigers team picked to finish 11th in the SEC, and Mizzou was seeded 4th in the conference tournament. On today's Sportsbeat KC, star columnist Vahe Gregorian breaks down the Tigers, who will open tournament play in Sacramento, California. A victory on Thursday aligns them with the Arizona-Princeton winner in the South region. Arizona is the number two seed. Also at stake, Missouri seeks its first victory in the NCAA tournament since 2010. It looks to end a five-game March Madness losing streak. Okay, let's get started talking Mizzou with Vahe Gregorian. It's a great time of year. Love it, love it, love it. And it's so cool that we have all three of our teams, Missouri, K-State, and KU, in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2018. And you know why I remember that year, Vahe, specifically? Because you started your journey uh, following Mizzou and you joined me following Kansas State um, <laughs> as you as you traipsed around the South, and um, that was that was a, a real fun time following uh, at least Kansas State. Missouri got bounced in the first game, I think, in Nashville or somewhere. It was, it, yeah, it was Nashville, and then you were, gosh, you went from what was point X to it. We ended up in Atlanta. Where was where was the start of that? I think we started in Charlotte. The uh, Kansas State started in Charlotte, and. Um, won two games there. Then it and one of those games wasn't that against uh, Maryland, Baltimore County, the University of Maryland at Baltimore County, which is which at the time was coached by one Ryan Odom, who is now the head coach of Utah State, which is Missouri's opponent. Which is, you know, all things converge, Blair, and and six degrees of separation. When it comes to you, it's like one degree of separation. Um, the other thing that we should not fail to mention, I guess, is the the reason uh, K State was was playing uh, Baltimore, Maryland County, was that the uh, Retrievers, I think yes. they were the Retrievers. I think they were um, Chesapeake Retrievers. I think it's based on. They were very clear to say that at the time. They. Uh, became the first uh, team to beat a, a number 16 seed to beat a number one seed in, in Tony Bennett's Virginia team, which was, uh, so you were there for that. That was pretty spectacular. Because Kansas state had already beaten Creighton in a really good eight, nine game and K state was the nine. And so I was back in the media room writing about that game and, eh, you know, UMBC had a halftime lead over Virginia. You, yeah. That's kind of interesting. That's nice for, you know, for the retrievers and uh, but Virginia will get things top seed. Virginia will get it, get it sorted out in the second half. Instead, the margin grew and grew and grew. And, you know, finally, with 10 minutes to go in the game, I had to get out there and cover it and and uh, certainly pay attention to it. And that's what I did. It was an amazing scene in, in Charlotte to see UMBC, which, by the way, their athletic director. I don't know if it's still the case. Their AD at the time was Tim Hall 
who had gone from UMKC to become the UMBC athletic director. So all kinds of connections and um, going on there. But yeah, we're going to talk about Mizzou and Utah State, the game, but let's let's talk about the Tigers season. It has been an amazing one. They were 12 and 21 a year ago in Conzo Milton's final year. You know, the year before that, which was the COVID year of the NCAA tournament, the one where they played in empty buildings all in Indianapolis, or mostly empty buildings, um, they went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Missouri was was in there. Remember, they lost to Oklahoma in an 8-9 game, Lon Kruger's Oklahoma team. And uh, and so Missouri goes into the following year, coming off an NCAA year with Conzo, but it was just a terrible season for the Tigers. They make the coaching change. Dennis Gates gets the job. We didn't know much about Dennis Gates, right? Three years at Cleveland State, spent the previous eight or so on the Florida State bench with uh, Leonard Hamilton's on Leonard, Leonard Hamilton's staff. Um, this has exceeded, I think, anyone's reasonable expectations of what this season could be for the Tigers. Do you think? Yeah, absolutely, Blair. And you're right. I mean, Dennis Gates' uh, name was one of those, uh, you know, for me that I just came to learn during that search. Right? And like, okay, let's let's study who might be out there, and and then. Um, luckily I'm not on the search committee and, and because you'd like to have a, uh, an astute judge of who these people are be involved. But, but I guess the real point I'm making is that Desiree Reed Francois had her on his list from the time he was at Florida state. And I believe that goes back to her time at Virginia tech where she was already kind of studying, um, the lay of the land on, on people that she might think would be, uh, up and comers for down the road. And, um, part of that was, uh, her understanding of his, his important role with, with Leonard Hamilton's team as a recruiter, but also that he was understood to be, uh, dynamic, um, you know, energetic, but rather serious, uh, person that way. It's funny, Blair, real quick aside, I was looking back at something I wrote last fall and how the, the players from his childhood referred to him as the sheriff because he was always so serious. <laughs> and that sort of, I don't mean to say he's not fun, but I, I think you always see he's on point, on task in everything we do. And I think that is that is a little bit of a notable part of why this has happened. I mean, there's there's he's relentless in, in, in every phase of this job. He's relentless. Yeah, um, you know where you uh, he's consistent as well, and where you see it to me are in places like when when the team leaves the court, either you know before you know to go back into the dressing room before the game or at halftime or even at the end of the game, they circle up and you know win lose whether you're behind you know whether you're, you're feeling good whether you're on the road or at home, they circle circle up and then jog into the locker room together as a team. And that, listen, that might um, it might work easier if you had a, a squad full of 18 and 19-year-olds, freshmen and sophomores. But he's got, he's got guys that are 22, 23 in their fourth, fifth year of eligibility buying in. Um, and uh, and I'm, uh, that, that, that's impressive to me, that when you get the, the, the buy-in from leaders – um, uh, something's working. Yeah, that, that's such a great point. Uh, and I would note, by the way, last night in Columbia, that even after the selection announcement, um, out on the court with the fans, they 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 huddled before they left the court. 
So it's just, <laughs> just like another game. Um, but I love your point about buy-in and it's something I've been thinking about and, and, and kind of uh, find myself astounded by, if you really think about this, right? Three guys back, I think it's eight transfers, six, uh, two junior college and six uh, from ma- mid-majors, uh, freshman Aiden Shaw. This is a hodgepodge, right? I mean, you could call it the, you know, the island of misfit toys even to begin with. These things don't go together. Um, and yet all the earmarks of how this team plays, right? It's it's in moments like what you just described, but it's also, uh, to me anyway, that tra- the buy-in translates to the way they move the ball. And I mean, they're, you know, among the nation's leaders in assists. Their uh, shooting percentage is great. Why? Because they generally take pretty good shots. Uh, the three-point percentage is great. They're among the nation's leaders in steals, in top 20 anyway. Um, and they've also been really gritty at the end of games. They're, I think it's this is right, 5-0 and oh in uh, games decided uh, in the in the final moments. Maybe it's 8-0 and oh in games decided in the final possession. It, wow. Anyway, they're undefeated <laughs> in those situations. And um, – that to me is another little telltale sign of, you know, a team that comes together in in the crucible is a team that's connected. And that's absolutely a reflection of the coaching. And so to, to be able to do that so fast, shoot, I remember I went to the, the Penn Mizzou game early in the season and Steve Donahue, uh, the coach at Penn, this is eight games into this era, was raving about seeing those those uh, those telltale signs of of the coach's impact on the team then hmm. so uh, you know props to him by the way quick funny aside that struck me last night also as he was talking about you know crediting everybody for their success he he started talking about what you know they're excited to work on and he was like we're excited to execute our travel plan uh <laughs> And I was like, okay, but it just seems like he's really thinking about each aspect of the operation. <laughs> That's great. I'm, I'm kind of excited to execute my travel plan uh, this week. That's <laughs> kind of what March is about, executing travel plans. <laughs> That's exactly right. Anyway, they have to use this nugget to riff off. There might, there might be a whole column in this. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, the um, you know, just to refer back to the Penn win was one of the I don't know eight or nine that Missouri played to open the season, and you know and, and not to disparage your Quakers, but you know not a uh, a top whatever you know 150 uh, right. ranked right. team in, in the you know in, in any of the measures, which was the case with just about all of their opponents. Early on, and we we've talked about this, and I think it's as Missouri's you know on the cusp of entering the NCAA tournaments, it's bears repeating that um, they chose to play this type of schedule, and it, it and it worked out I think perfectly for Dennis Gates and the Tigers. Uh, they got to you know kind of weld their team together against you know mid to low major competition. Uh, got to build confidence and 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 look and, and and some things broke along the way for them. They you know they won a buzzer beater. DeAndre Golston, the first of two you know deep buzzer beaters 
for him was it was against Central Florida in the game that they played right after getting crushed by KU. I thought that was a big outcome for for Mizzou, and 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 I remember their post game celebration on that, and um, you know just surviving. Some, they they beat Wichita State on the road in overtime. You know a Wichita State program that just fired their coach, but. In, in the moment, that was a really big victory. They went on the road and won a game. That was their first road game. So the the, the way that, that Missouri played in November and December, I think, helped set the table for them uh, in, in December when they hit that stretch of Illinois, Kentucky, and then the beginning of the SEC season where we saw that this, this is really something. You know, the, they, they've got something over here. And the crowds were coming back. Uh, in in a big way, filling up Mizzou Arena, especially the students. Great to see the students back um, in in that building. So, um, methods to the madness, and it just all seemed to work for Dennis Gates in Missouri this year. You're, yeah, I, you're so right. And uh, you know, I remember uh, talking with you about this a little bit early on, and and uh, you, you with the notion that that made so much sense that. And we might be writing about this more in the next week to come about what kind of model is this for building a program, right? To draw from the mid-majors and to be able to do this in to, to really sort of walk tall in these strange waters of the NIL and the transfer portal. I mean, it, it's like I, he has summoned all of this, you know, through what, what could just be flux and difficulty and, and it's not for everybody. Um, but one point to go back to that I, I wanted to just add to what you said. So when they got blasted by Kansas, um, I think it was reasonable to think, boy, uh, you know, this was just fool's gold and, and playing those teams didn't do them any good. But I, I, th- I think a few things, right? You'd, you'd come to see things like that, that how, how huge that Central Florida win was. Um, and what that schedule early did enable them to do, I think, was – not only gain confidence, but play with combinations and and really learn the team sort of in real time, but with, with maybe minimize risk. And if ever you had to learn a team and what you have, that was it. So then you get the key little pivot points where, okay, great that they won in dramatic fashion in Central Florida. What, what, what's that going to mean? And what I don't know if it was the very next game, but it was certainly within a game or two after that. That was the Illinois game. Yep. And to me, that was that was the one that really opened my eyes. I mean, because I just because having been in St. Louis all those years and gone to a couple dozen of those games, that's that's NCAA tournament environment. Well, at least it is when you're playing not in Sacramento, but in Des Moines <laughs> with your fan base able to come. I mean, that's a whole nother question we we face mm-hmm. here. But the idea of it being the pinnacle. And after having, I think we could make the case there, they uh, they weren't ready for the bright lights of, of Kansas, even though it was at home, that that was, that was part of what went on that day when they got crushed by Kansas. I thought that made a big statement about being able to play uh, a really good opponent uh, in a real spotlight and come through. And, um, and then, you know, Kentucky was after that, et cetera. So, I, I think it's really interesting to see the just the little earmarks and pivot points that that made this where you start thinking, okay, there's something here. Um, and I, you know, again, we probably all came to it a little 
skeptically just because it seemed it was so improbable. Right. You know, in putting together a team, if 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 Dennis Gates could draft a team and, uh, you know, um, and maybe you, you, you want to, you know, a point guard, a, a, you know, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward, a center. That's not the team he ended up with. Right. They're, right. they're still lacking a big man. They have a couple of point guards. Um, they, they have these blurred positions for everything from the, the two, three and the four. Um, but it all seems to work or in, in, in most of the season it has. Demoy Hodge is somebody who's emerged as a, a a real standout player, probably next to Kobe Brown, the you know the the, the go to guy on this team, really solid defensively. Um, and and then you know at, at various times, Nick Honor and you know DeAndre Golston, um, Trey Gamillion, everybody has pitched in along the way for you know for this team. Sean East, even the the backup point guard has uh, you know has done it and the the player maybe most Missouri fans were excited about really hasn't done anything for him and that's Isaiah Mosley the Missouri State transfer you know had some cut you know let him in scoring in a couple of games but for reasons that are still unclear you know has not played in a majority of games for the Tigers this year and you know if if the if Missouri had floundered in the first year I, it, I think it'd be a much bigger story than it is. And as it stands, um, it's not. Uh, it, it's not a big story. The, the Missouri is doing just fine, thank you very much, with the roster that it, that it has now. Yeah, and Blair, the way it's played out, I mean, I have no idea if we'll see him again this season or 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 not. Um, there was a little, I don't know if it was six, seven games in a row. I'd have to look back at the play-by-play, but where suddenly it's like, oh, maybe – Whatever was going on is behind him, and now he's – and, boy, he looked pretty good. Um, and the more he played, the the, the better he looked. Um, I, so it, it it's interesting to me that they've uh, been able to keep such a lid on whatever it is, and, and I think under the umbrella of it being personal and private, and people have been respectful of that, but it's, it's unusual in this era to have something be so unknown. Um, but – you know, that that's where it is. Um, so, and, and you mentioned this to me when I was getting ready to go to Columbia the other day, uh, I was out of town at spring training when uh, senior day happened, but that scene in Columbia where uh, Isaiah Mosley had no one there to escort him on, on that senior day uh, with, with Dennis Gates and, and Desiree Reed Francois running to his side and walking arm in arm with them. Um, that was pretty powerful. And uh, I think also testimony to um, the way he's connecting with his players. I don't I, I don't have any way of knowing what his relationship specifically is with Isaiah and whether this has been um, any of this has been a matter of saying you shouldn't play versus, you know, we're, we're doing him a favor. I don't we don't have any idea of that, but uh, uh Certainly, you saw something meaningful in their relationship that day. Very cool moment uh, for uh, for Missouri and for, and for Isaiah Mosley. So, hey, uh, let's take a quick break, Vahe. Um, when we come back, we'll take some calls. No, we won't do that. But uh, <laughs> but we will talk about Missouri and Utah State in the uh, uh, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We'll be right back. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We are back on Sportsbeat KC with Vahe Gregorian. We're talking Mizzou and the NCAA tournament. It's great to have to, to say those words in the same sentence, Mizzou and the NCAA tournament. <laughs> well, it's the Kirkhoff tournament. We're all just living <laughs> in it. You probably covered the last Missouri victory in the NCAA tournament. Did you not? I did. I did. Buffalo, New York. Uh, that was Mike Anderson's, I guess it was his last Missouri team. They beat uh, Clemson. Yep. And uh, I'm thinking about guys like Kim English and Zaire Taylor. And uh, it was a pretty good team that had had any, that, that the core, you know, produced an elite eight run a couple of years before. Right. Maybe, right. Not just the year before, but maybe it was two years before. In, in, well, in, 09. So the year before they, they did. Well, that was so it the was the year before. Yeah. 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 Damari Carroll and, was on that 09 team that, I think lost to was it Connecticut in the in the regional final? Yeah, yep, that was out out in uh, Glendale, and that was that was uh, so that was what one way or another that was what was on your mind as they went into that tournament, and and they win their first round game. Then I guess it was West Virginia. Uh, I don't think it was a great game. I think I think I I can't remember the score, but I, I don't think it was that close at the end. And but you had at that point you had every reason to think there was. This, this is where Missouri was, it'd be continuity. But the uh the smoke about Mike Anderson leaving was was already in the air. And um then he did go. And then at, as you know, uh Missouri went all in on Matt Painter only to get jilted at the altar. Um and suddenly they're scrambling. I think there was not a great backup plan, and and they produced Frank Hayes, who I tell you what, for one one season, well, one regular season, uh, it was brilliant. That was as fun a team as I can remember watching. That they, the way they, I, I hate to keep harping on moving the ball, right? But it, it was, it was a joy to watch that team. Remember those games here in KC uh, against uh, Notre Dame, and, and I can't remember who else. They just demolished them. California, Cal, Cal, yeah. Yep. And uh, what if Dennis Gates was on that Cal team? No, he was, he was a little. <laughs> He was yeah. out of school by then, yeah. but um, that was a uh, that was that was great. I, I still can't really account for the Norfolk State loss, but you know it is what it is. But to your point, they have not won an NCAA tournament game since they joined the since they joined the SEC. Right, um, th- that's exactly right. Uh, and uh, and they're not favored 
uh, they're not a betting favorite to win this week, <clears throat> this one, even though they're the the, the better seeded team. They're a seven to Utah State's ten. Utah State's the favorite, the betting favorite in this game. Well, you gotta you gotta like uh, how this will play for Missouri in the in the locker room. I, Nick Nick Honor was talking yesterday about how they've been disrespected all season. I, I don't I don't really I don't really remember that, but um, but I think that if if you're always looking for that uh, opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> you can find it even when it's not there. And this will be a good one for them to use. I don't know how that factors into whether they win or not. I mean, sometimes uh, you don't want to be overly emotional, right? It's it's finding that sweet spot of motivation and, and poise. And that, that's what this is going to be about. Missouri played a terrific game. And I don't know, but um, not a, it's not a game, and a little more than a game and a half in the SEC tournament. Beating Tennessee. In uh, I think maybe Missouri's best game of the season. They were just fantastic, uh, and and um, Kobe Brown had a really nice game. And then leading Alabama early in the second half, and that game didn't start to get away from the Tigers until under the ten minute mark. They were very competitive against Alabama, uh, which went on to demolish Texas A and M in the SEC tournament final. So I, Missouri, if we can, you know, and this is not always the case when when it comes to the NCAA tournament, but uh, if Missouri can parlay the the play that we saw in Nashville and the SEC into, you know, this the, the, this regional in uh, in Sacramento, um, I, I expect good things to happen for the Tigers. It's interesting in Utah State, they are playing a team that attacks similarly. Um, they they like the Utah State likes to shoot the three, uh, gets it up early in the shot clock at times, and. Uh, and I don't know what the over under this game will be, but um, but strongly consider taking the over because I I do think we have a high scoring game at our uh, in our midst with the, with Missouri and Utah State. So I, you know I don't know how much this will matter in the game, Blair, but it's just a point of interest. And and I gosh, you you can correct me on this, but I I believe this is the first time Utah State's been in the tournament in about seven years, meaning that's that, right that. It doesn't have players that, have, unless they have a transfer to, I'm not thinking of that. It doesn't have players who've played in the tournament <clears throat> at all. Missouri, meanwhile, has I believe it's six guys uh, that have played in the tournament, but nobody that's ever played a winning game in the tournament. Yeah, it hasn't won a game. <clears throat> yeah, and Coach Gates is you know 0 and 1 in NCAA play uh, as a head coach. So uh, what that all means, I guess, in a certain way, is it's it's. Uh, you know, an equalizing point. I mean, everybody's uh, a blank slate when it comes to this, at least in terms of winning an NCAA tournament game. Um, you know, I tried to get uh, Coach Gates to talk a little about this yesterday, but he just didn't want to want to go there. But how, in your experience, Blair, I'm I'm wondering how you see this. Obviously, an NCAA tournament game is entirely different than you know regular season or even a conference tournament game, especially if you know you're going to be in you know the NCAA. Do you think coaches try to convince their players that this is just another game or they try to make it that uh, you understand this is not just another game? I mean, how, how, do you, how do you see that generally playing out? I don't, I don't know if there's a um, if there's a messaging quite like that, because the players are going to know as soon as they take the floor for practice, you know, in an in a unfamiliar yeah. setting. And, um, uh, and, and, you know, they're going to be in an NBA arena. 
it, it's just going to be a different environment for them. And, it's, and when they take the floor for the game, um, you know, I expect the arena to be, you know, half to three quarters filled, but only a small pocket of Missouri fans. Um, they, the, the school only gets four to 500 tickets a piece. Each school does for the first round. And, you know, it, it's just going to be unlike anything you've experienced. I, I think having with having a roster with more than half of your players, having at least experienced, you know, the setting, that's going to help. I, I think, you know, you just have to, if you're a coach, you worry about, you know, the engine revving a little too hot uh, when, when the game starts. You just need, you need to calm down a little bit. That's how you can get a team missing, you know, Eight yeah. of the first nine shots, you know, rushing through the offense or committing a foul that's, you know, more energy based than than you know based on uh, you know what you should be doing on the floor. So the, I think the team in a game like this, when when you don't have a lot of NCAA tournament experience, the one that handles those situations the best, especially in the first few minutes, will have a bit of an advantage. Yeah, I I, I think that's right. I mean, I don't think there's it's not like anybody's not understanding the implications of the moment it it's really you know how do you hold them back and and just you know get your heart rate right yeah all right so maybe it's um you know maybe we got a little regional bias here but i do see missouri carrying over its its solid play in nashville and winning winning uh on thursday what what's the game time uh it's 12:40 central which means I don't remember ever being in this situation. I've been west a few times, but it means 1040 a.m. Yeah. Sacramento time, which is really odd to me. That is totally odd. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I don't remember ever being at a game that started in the a.m. I've, I've been at maybe some 1150 a.m. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've done that. The, Just the before first noon. game of the tournament on Thursday is yeah. Maryland, West Virginia, and that starts at 1115 a.m., but that's the first game of the tournament. So, and, yeah, and that's probably – Actually, is it, are they playing East? I can't remember where yeah. they are, but it's probably actually starting at twelve fifteen their time. I think that could be right. Yeah, yeah. But so it's just anyway, it's just weird. And and look, that's that's a little factor. I mean, obviously, time zones are time zones, and sort of no big deal. But it's one thing to be getting used to uh, Pacific time zone and playing at three in the afternoon. Yeah. It's another to be like, okay, you know, are you up yet? Right. <laughs> right. Better get to bed. Get games early tomorrow. Yeah. All right. So I got 1.40 p.m. Eastern. So you're right. That would be 11, uh, 10.40 uh, Pacific time. And that that is bizarre. But um, there it is. Okay. Um, how about you? You got Missouri winning one? I think so. And then I don't know what to make of Arizona, Princeton. Uh, I mean, I suppose we, we should gather that most likely it would be Arizona. And, and yeah. um, you know, I, 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 I'm like uh, – I'm like – you know the coaches. I got my blinders on for this game. I I I, uh, I don't I haven't really thought too much about that prospect. In fact, I have not even physically looked at the rest of the bracket. I don't. If Missouri were to emerge from there, I don't I don't know what what's next. Um, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. That's how. Yeah, that's how kind of locked in I am on these first and second round games. But you're right. They would Arizona in all likelihood would be the second round opponent. So um, for the for the winner. Uh, so if they're in the if they're in the south, this is the south region game, and we know that the 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 one in the south is Alabama. Uh, so I, which might I've got them going to the final four, by the way. Yeah. Um, 
terrific, terrific tournament run for the Crimson Tide. But anyway, all right, Vahe, let's um, let's let's close it out and um, and and, and uh, see what to, see what the Tigers can do and get that first NCAA tournament victory in more than more than a dozen years. It would be it'd be cool to see. And um, gosh, they've already set a record for most. They're twenty four and nine, which is the most victories they've had as an SEC program. Their eleven wins in the regular season in the SEC season was was also a high. So uh, we'll see if the good times continue for the Missouri Tigers. Vahe, thanks for joining us today, buddy. Hey, thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for putting together the show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian for sharing his insights. Morning Sports Edition, the nation's best digital sports section, was 37 pages today, packed with news about the NCAA tournaments, NFL free agency, the World Baseball Classic, the updates in the NBA, NHL, and everything else in sports. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.